Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Very slow. Is, yeah. Do you recognize it? This is the theme song to Madam Secretary. It comes You're so in, smart. It comes in at 17 minute mark this episode. Yes. That is That's odd. a long intro. Like, I is don't that know. even allowed in formatting for um, TV? It is if Taya Leone is on the show. Which, great. fun fact, I learned it's not she Tia is, Leone, it's Taya. It's Taya? Yeah. We, had, well, we had Eric on last week, and he tea. kept saying Taya. Anyway, this is another episode of our after show at After Buzz TV for Madam Secretary. We are here doing episode five, Blame Canada. Always. Always. (laughs) But not my mom. When my parents caught me, I was like, Canada. (laughs) Stop it. Who stole the car? I'm your host, Courtney Anderson. And with me tonight, we have our full panel back. The lovelies. Yes. Oh, the lovelies! <laughs> I'm Pat Lambert. And I'm Sterling Cates. So that makes you lovely number one tonight. Uh-huh. You know who's from Canada? Justin Bieber, Shania Twain, Pamela Anderson. Celine oh, Dion. Good. There you go. Celine Dion. Yeah. Blame it on Canada. Now you know. <laughs> Blame it on the can-can-can-can-can-la. No? We should have done that song. All right. Okay. So the first thing we should talk about is probably Canada. I guess we can... Well, this episode talks about Canada and Iran. Those are the two major... I like this show because... Because she's Madam Secretary, the majority of it's going to be foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. So each episode, we sort of get to like choose a country, or Although, two, the, you know, or two. And Canada actually plays a significant part in this one, though not all of that interesting. Yeah, if I may before, say. yeah. I, at, the let's take it at the beginning, I was just kind of like, "Oh, this is all slow." And then the intro mark came out, and I was like, "Is it over?" Now the show started. <laughs> now the show started because <laughs> the prior secretary had commissioned a report about the pipeline that they wanted to build between. Canada and the U.S., an oil pipeline, and Tia Leone, Taya, doesn't her sec- the secretary um, doesn't want the report released until she's had time to read it herself. Yeah, which it's I, a thousand pages, which is why she hasn't gotten into it because I don't know. Maybe she's trying to stop a nuclear war from happening with Iran. Right, I can't read that in maybe a year. I don't know if I've ever read a book that big. (laughs) Ever. Ever. (laughs) We'll work on it. Harry Potter. That's 700 pages. (laughs) Okay, anyways. Um, So, she refuses to... Because Canada was lobbying to release the report because there was stuff in it for them. Because they have an economic incentive if this pipeline goes through. Obviously, they'll make a ton more money. Right. But, you know... It was falsified. It was a... Well, falsified, but it was also just sort of full of bias because when she is able to review it it's clear that uh, an oil lobby was part of well, they, they, they wrote, wrote it, it. it was they commissioned wrote it. and no one, and no so, one has read it it had facts that had about. nothing to do with the actual pipeline it was just sort I love of how it said the Everglades in Florida right. like that has something to do with anything regarding Canada and the oil pipeline the thing that I thought was interesting and I like that Marsh the old Secretary of State is sort of still around, you know, like, we're still sort of seeing all of these little things and problems come up that she has to fix because 
he oh, had an agenda, yeah, and you know, geez. it's different in all these different uh, what you call it engagements or obligations or commitments. That's right. what I'm actually looking for. Yeah. That you know that she kind of has to fulfill. And also, Roman the existing through. deals. Like yeah. this is one of them where he's like, "Well, you know, Marsh. We already got this done. Yeah, right. he assured me that this would come out with a approval or however he worded it to try to like yep. bully her into releasing it." And I love how she, she was honest. Ground. She stood yeah. her ground. She said, "I will read it and I will release it." And then Canada tried to give an ultimatum for how long they were going to give her. There well, was because, sort of a negotiation between so, the two. So they definitely went back into some old rules, some old laws and things that had been agreed upon. From the War of 1812. Exactly. And so it's one of those things where Canada wasn't getting the response as quickly as they wanted, so they took over some of our fishing boats and they weren't going to give them back until it was released. Like, that was going to stop us from... Though, I mean, that does... And he was obviously scared that the president was going to get involved when she threatened to call him and... But, but of course, as a as a politician, when you know, if the fishing industry, fishing industries are a huge part of our global, I mean, our foreign and domestic um, economy, and a lot of the, those Norwegian or Nova Scotia, not Norwegian, Nova Scotia, a lot of those boats uh, are a big part of our budget. So if they're taken over or if they can't operate, you know, they're going to rally against their politicians. Yeah, to do but something. didn't it seem like the president wanted that the report to be released? He just wanted something done. He just wanted it off the desk. But but the thing was, from my understanding, was so what they want, what the president wanted, which I don't think Marsh wanted, based on this being a falsified document, was he wants a way for us to stop relying on other countries. Other countries. Specifically the countries in the Middle East, because right now we sort of have to dance with them a little bit because they have something we need. So much. And so he wants to come out with something that allows us the freedom to stop having to dance with them unless we want to. Right. Which is a great juxtaposition for the other conflict of the episode with Iran. But basically, current, even current um, domestic and foreign issues, we rely so heavily on foreign oil. Mm-hmm. And a good majority of that foreign oil comes from the Middle East, where we also have the highest levels of nuclear instability, of uh, threats to dem- the democratic capitals that are there or growing, um, instability and militarization of people. Um, they, that area, along with sort of the nuclear issues there that we know of and don't know of, is currently one of the largest threats to global terror because... Russia, the U.S., India, and the Middle Eastern countries each have the lar- and China have the largest um, amounts of nuclear power, and the border regions in the Middle East, for example, like the area of Kashmir with India and Pakistan, if they are sort of on the middle of a cold war, if one of one of those countries starts with a nuclear threat, basically everyone else in the world has to double down and. We, we yeah, lead to global we, we all have our allies, and so it's kind of like now it's time to back up the threat, which was part of the episode. You know, the, the the chief negotiator in the peace talks with Iran was actually saying, "We're not going to be able to come to any agreements. We just need to take military action." Yeah, which, and he was never really going with the plan that uh, Madam Secretary had in place, and she finds that out later. I didn't trust him from the beginning. Well, he was one of Marsh's guys. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so interesting because I actually think, you know, she was so upset that the whole document was falsified and it was basically written by oil lobbyists because if you think about it, we're not going to get oil through Canada, through a pipeline. They're trying to come up with some other type of 
and like energy. Well, we could because fracking right now is the newest great development in oil. It's like North Dakota's the biggest boom that they've ever had. Fracking is basically like they're able to drill in a different way to access oil pockets that they never could. And it's like highly economical, but also very dangerous. Um, basically dealing with any sort of fossil fuel or oil is dangerous. But I think the idea of the Can- Canadian pipeline was a way to offset, because we have good relations with Canada, right. to offset our amazing need from the Middle Eastern countries for their oil, especially because how are we supposed to navigate peacefully or or try to create nuclear stability in that area when we have such a vested interest in our pockets and in our everyday life? Right. So well, but that's what I'm oil and and sort of environmental protection is the big theme in this episode, which well, I'm right, which is which I think that's why no. I think Marsh knew that nobody was going to read the document, and so he commissioned an oil lobbyist, or, you know, basically an oil lobbyist, to write it because it was actually an agenda he wanted that would make the president look bad, that would help him as he decided to announce and run for president. Which is the exact reason why people are so jaded with the idea of politics, because vested interests, like, look, he's not, they're not serving the greater good by doing that. And in a greater scheme of what, you know, Madam Secretary sort of deals with and what we're dealing with is greenhouse gases and global warming is the largest threat to countries around the world Mm -hmm. Um, and our reliance. How are we ever going to curb it if we have so much vested interest in our politics who are making money off the side or are taking advantage of capital and not really fighting for our stability or the future? Well, and and having your VP basically run an entire agenda and and sort of White House administration to the best of his resources as the vice president against what the president is trying to do. Like, it just, it's one of those things where I think it was going to make him look bad. And that's the only reason why we see Madam Secretary say, I actually need to read this. Once she read it, she's like, we're rewriting this. Like, there's, I'm, I'm, what four hundred pages in, and there's so many things wrong. I I'm, I can't I can't this isn't a pass this. Yeah, yeah, I can't do this, and so she has to go in. Well, so she has to go in, of course, and say that to the president. But of course, she has to give him good news. She can't just come in with I need six months to get this redone. Right. Canada's you know knocking down our door to get it sent out and released and approved right now, and I know you're looking to do that. But we can't do that right now. And it was really interesting he, because yeah. he lost it on her. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think yeah, about that? That was kind of like, oh, where'd that come from? When the president was like, well, why don't you start doing your job? Well, when he's been so reliant on her for everything. But if, kind of, I think that's because he's been relying on her to negotiate in live time situations where like there was a conflict and it needed to be resolved within uh-huh. a certain amount of hours. Whereas this is a continuing issue. You know, this Canadian pipeline, like, she could have just passed it so it's off the table, but there's more work to be done. And for a president, so much of their politics is what have they gotten done, what have they accomplished mm-hmm. out of all the promises that they've made, knowing full well, or you should know full well, that the way our democracy works mm-hmm. is very, very slow. And that's to our benefit. That's how democracy does work, is it takes time to make things change. But he has pressure from all over the world to get things off his table. Yeah. It was interesting to me that also in that scene, not only that he attacked her the way he did and yelled at her, um, but the way the chief of staff defended her in that moment, because that's really not their relationship. Yeah. He never has done that before. So it was interesting to see that dynamic there. Well, and you talked about not trusting the chief negotiator for Mm -hmm. these peace talks in Iran, and 
he was one of Marsh's guys, and he was trying to stick to a plan that Marsh had put in play again. You know, so now we have these two different things, this pipeline and these peace talks, and both of them are kind of sour, and it's because of things that Marsh had going. And, well, there's two real main issues to what has happening there is, one, the vested interests of political gain. So he's playing the political game more than doing what he's supposed to do. You know, right. He reveals, once he's been let go, that the reason that he was pushing all these things through and pushing a certain agenda was was, was his become, own ambition, right. was his own Secretary political ambition, State, yeah. which is clouding the judgment and what's actually happening. And then the second issue is warring philosophies. She has a much more moderate stance on what, or li- even liberal stance, mm-hmm. on what should happen with these two deals, and he has a much more conservative, militarized stance. Right. You know, he even says what, he expects bombs over, what did he, where did he say? I don't know. He had the capital, the capital in Iran. Oh no, I don't know it. Oh, Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was saying, I just wasn't ensuring context where Tel you were going with it. Anyways, but he, he, was, said expecting, Tel Aviv. he yeah. was expecting war in the Middle East. Yeah. yeah. And she wants that to be the last the last possible situation. Well, of course. Be, well, and and even the president wanting to make the threat, you know, they're like, "Wait a second, if we make the threat, there's no going back. You know, there's no going back. Back it up. And I mean, that's what we're dealing with right now in our U.S. politics with, you know, the the terror crisis with ISIS and then all instability in, in that region is two different ideals of how can we ever find peace and spread democracy and then sort of the knee-jerk reaction to bomb, you know. Right. But that's what I loved about about her in this episode. And made me so not like Marsh and kind of what was going on and I will be interested to see kind of how much there's left of well, that and we know at some point all Marcia everything died. he had his hand in Marsha died because of he died in the plane crash but wasn't it sort of because he was up to no good he was doing something in the black we don't market. know we don't know Foul play. that's what I was going to say it's like now that we're figure, finding out all this kind of stuff that Marsh was really up to um, it kind of makes me think about like was his death accidental and like when are we going to figure that part out and it's also interesting so. i the tagline of the show is uh not politics as usual because mm-hmm. i think it's it's interesting to look at all the different characters and really see that this secretary doesn't have political ambition that is clouding her judgment at all things. yeah at all you know she's really not being lobbied by people or being <laughs> paid by people which wouldn't always be the case oh which was the other thing remember that was something that marsh had done that she was thinking that he had these oil lobbyists write up that document or report because they were one of the they main have, contributors to his campaign. Right. right. And Nadine sort of reveals that, but she says, oh, but that wasn't why he did it. But how can we trust that? Right. Should we talk about Because we've been trusting. <laughs> I want to save that because it's like okay. the last thing right. that Something the episode sexy. revealed. Yep. <laughs> anyway. But, okay, so the peace talks. So we see the chief negotiator go. Peace talks with Iran. So yes. Canada, Canada's Canada. Canada's, Canada's Canada. Well, so we get our boats back, you know, with Canada. We get our boats back. They realize they don't really have anything to stand on because at the end of the they day... They can't hold us ransom. They yeah, can't, yeah. They can't do anything to us. And she's not saying no. She's saying not today. Right. So and she they just have to wait. she recommissions the report, and they say they both have a vested interest in, you know, doing better for the environment. But right. that's after the peace talks with this chief negotiator who... Which she set gets up through them. the Canadian ambassador, correct? But no, yeah, not initially. Technically, and initially Canada he was in property. New York for the peace talks. So the Iranian with the chief ambassador negotiator, yeah. was in New York for the peace talks with our chief Im- right. negotiator. And... 
they didn't go well because because the negotiator was doing his own thing. The deal and the letter that she gave saying if they turn this what a reactor off mm-hmm. and they can have it inspected to actually confirm that it is off then we'll start selling them plane parts again. And mm-hmm. that there's the sort of this trade agreement that will come into play that we have not had with them. Mm-hmm. And so Since 1980, she says. Or they haven't had official negotiations on. We haven't di- had formal diplomatic, diplomatic relations. Since 1980. Right. That's the last time Crazy. that a, one of our presidents, or the, the, or the two leaders, leaders yeah. uh, one went and visited the other. And I don't remember which way they said mm-hmm. that happened, but... But yeah, so it it doesn't go well. And so it gets to the point where the president says airstrikes. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't agree. They they walked out of the I'm room. We yeah. it wasn't adjourned. It wasn't ex- dismissed. They walked out. Yeah. And that's when I loved in that whole meeting where and afterwards the secretary was saying it's it's big enough deal that we just get them into the same room as us. We can't we have to come back to the table. Right. right. We have to. And so I thought it was so interesting. So after they all sit in that room and they meet, and this negotiator basically says, they left. It's done. Yep. Like, there's no other action to take than this military it's action that I yep. said in the first place. It's it's exactly what we suspected from the beginning, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And then the president, so the president says airstrikes, but then says best, and takes her out. So it's like, okay, you just yelled at her. Because she's not doing her job, and now you're going to use the most endearing term you could give her by calling her best, best and mind. take her out to a, a kind of a private conversation, and they go talk about this report. And they, I feel, it's one of those words I feel like the type of conversation that the president wants to be able to have. He wants to be candid. He wants to be able to question. He wants, in a way that's human, because sitting in a room with you know, your entire administration that's helping make these decisions and all of the intel and all of the military officers and command, well, their commanders and generals and, you know, whoever else is supposed to be in that room. I don't even know politically who's supposed to be in that room, whose job it is to sit in on those talks. But to go outside of that, because in front of all of them, you can't go question those things and kind of like sit and kind of... Well, that's the you real can't, core difficulty of, you know, the I, d- most difficult part of being a president is who do you assign and how much bias do they have from where they're coming from? So when he pulls her aside, he's looking for some sort of objective. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like he trusts her opinion maybe more than anyone else in that room. So that's probably why he wanted to get it. Like Which is why candidly. she's... But yeah, like, yeah well, and, and I know that that's also part of, I think, why he wanted her because he knew... Like we've said, the political ambition is not there. She's basically doing a huge favor to a, a close, you know, old to friend. The, and to the country, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and to the country. But, but I mean, uh, yeah. I, she, I think she sort of felt it was more a duty at this point than yep. any sort of ambition. Yep. And I love that in that meeting, that's where she says, you know, I have a favor and it's to get this report six months down the road. The one we have is falsified. I'm not putting my name on this. It's basically bogus and he says well that's a big favor and she goes well it's not as big as the one I'm about to ask you for which is for one more day and I'm kind of like okay obviously she's going to go try to figure out this whole Iran thing she's going to go try to talk to uh, Giovanni and figure out how to make this deal happen because Mm -hmm. every other time she's used her judgment every other time she's you know tried to coordinate something and, and give something 
you know, it's worked out. Mm -hmm. Like with Canada, they kind of backed down because she realized that in order to make them okay with waiting six months for this pipeline report and deal to go through, she had to give them something to kind of sit on, Mm -hmm. which she gave them, I don't know if I wrote it down, but that, that passageway. Oh, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. But she gave them the passageway that we've held from them or we've been fighting over. Mm -hmm. And so now they can use that for trade, et cetera. And so they're happy. They're they're cool to to (laughs) sit on this and wait for it to be done right. And She's then, really good at compromise. With it's amazing though that every episode is one of the major plot lines is insubordination. Somebody going behind her back or or not doing as she says. Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, with every situation we've seen her in, it's pretty much she just has to do it herself, and she can't. Really Which trust is amazing because else. she has the highest position, so she's able to fire the chief negotiator. Anyone, yeah. But it seems almost impossible that that. That chief negotiator would ever be able to go through that meeting, having so clearly withholding the information with only, that and she so said, clearly going against her objectives. You know, I, I wonder, well, especially if, and is that what happens every? I mean, I feel like that can't be. How do you run a, a so. department when people, when every episode are consistently people are insubordinate? Yeah, and I think we're slowly getting rid of Marsha's guys, like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. The old school, yeah. Yep. So now or converting, kind of out. like the speechwriter. Sure. No, right. yeah, like the speechwriter, right? He mm-hmm. said the even Nadine. Well, Nadine, we don't know where we yeah, stand. Yeah, Nadine, I know. Question, but Nadine has seemed. Oh, I guess we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. I won't like. We'll you know, get to hold well, your tongues. The Iranian negotiation. Then, when they have this cocktail so, party, at the so end. Canada is throwing this party, and I, I didn't really catch why they were throwing the party. <laughs> they were throwing it in celebration of her, like welcoming welcoming her to the office or something. Okay, that it was she just as simple like, as that. Because nice. yeah. I knew it was for her, but I wasn't sure if it was. Uh, with the pipeline deal, you know, yeah. right. well, she, she, she thanked him for throwing it for her. Right. She was like, thank you for throwing me this party. Which, so, so they have the party, so we know that's coming. We have to talk about all of her staff and bringing plus ones that's and fun. Blake yeah. saying, yeah. you know, if you want to bring a plus one, I just need to know their names so I can put them on the list. And little Blakey Poo. Blake says, well, it says the name Chris. Chris. Yeah. But, but that's then nobody not, goes deeper. We don't know if it's a boy but, or a girl. But that, right? that's the point. That's the whole because when they're in the office, you know, the one they both have been dating somebody else. The speechwriter, Daisy, and the speech. Yeah, and Jay, I think his name is. This is another thing that I. It's they weird. don't say their names enough. No, <laughs> and it's and I've I actually actively listened to the show in trying to get names mm-hmm. be- because you know when you should know them by the fifth when, episode. Well, yeah. and when we're sitting here talking, it's you know oh the guy and the this and the girl. Yeah. It's like who knows what we're talking yeah. about when we're just saying <laughs> yeah. the guy and the girl. You know, so the speechwriter and Daisy, I believe her name is. Mm-hmm. They clearly have their own thing going, but they're both dating other people. And now, what do you think yeah. of that? We, I thought it may it's a. It's a great plot line. It's a fun idea. And in the first couple episodes, I thought they had really funny repartee Mm -hmm. back and forth. But I don't feel the chemistry as much. And they don't really make me laugh. Like, those secondary characters aren't hitting the punchlines as well as I I think they could. I like the idea. I was they needed something in the office to kind of like spice it up a yeah. little bit, but between the two of them, I don't see like a romantic chemistry. I guess Which is what it. they're trying to imply. Yeah. So far. I mean, I see it as far as like if I read the script, I could get it. I think the mm-hmm. lines are funny and the ideas are there, but their dynamic, I don't 
feel as fully de- like developed, or they're just not really hitting again the punchlines. I don't, they're not making me laugh through this romance. Through the whole thing, see, and though they're cute, they're they're funny. It'll be interesting. To, I think it's more for me. It's more of a chemistry thing. I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't believe it. You know, considering like when they're coming up the stairs, they the got little back and forth. Because Nadine says no, no one, one cares. cares, and she's I think a hundred percent implying. <laughs> We don't care if you're sleeping together. We don't care what you do on your own time. We don't care. Nobody exactly. cares. Right. Yeah. And so much so, and I think part of that comes from the fact that Nadine actually doesn't care and nobody else cares. But also, she had her own office romance that exactly. went undetected. And it's one of those where it's like, people are so involved in their own lives and in what's going on with them and their own political and their ambition yeah. and their own job. Yeah, exactly. I don't they need don't, time for your water cooler. Well, they're not like, romance. they don't, they're not even going to like look up long enough or right. like, you know, take away from looking in the mirror at themselves long enough to recognize somebody else's right. office romance the or romance period. The two of them are at the highest in the teams are so scared about their job security and will it compromise yeah. their relationship in the workplace. Yeah. I'm but. taking the stairs. I, th- I thought I would take the stairs. I thought you would take the elevator. It's we like, can come at the not, same time. Yeah, it's not that weird for them to come in at the same time. I mean, it's, I, lo- I like what they're <laughs> trying to accomplish with the tension. I just don't think maybe it was it's executed on the well. It's not executed And it'll be well interesting enough. to see that play out and kind of see whether we think it is more of a writing, more of a directing, more of the acting. acting yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, because it truly might just be these two actors just don't have the chemistry. Because I've be heard you can't really fake that. And true. from my own experiences on, on set, you, you can't. Yeah. I mean, Unless the lines are so funny. But even but, that... And even the show generally is slow feeling. It's mm-hmm. not very comedic. They don't right. hit a lot. You know, like in the beginning, our first episode, you know, Aaron Sorkin writes really fast. So mm-hmm. so there's always sort of a pace. So his comedy goes very quickly. And right. It, so it works. This is a very slow moving show. And that's even on Taylioni's acting. She's She doesn't rush through scenes. Right. You know, so it's hard, I guess, to come from some of those serious moments to then these secondary characters who are meant to be somewhat comic relief. Yeah. Which Blake, well, I say Blake. Blake. Eric. Eric. Eric, you know, in Skyping with us last week, talked about that and kind of how he's he's starting to see a pattern in reading each script that they work on that they kind of cut to him to, like, give a little bit of lightness. And I I do think think that he, of all the characters, hits the comic relief the best. I think, and I don't, so, which which makes me think that it's it's not the writing. Yeah. It's the execution of it, because Sam Roter, Sam Roters, oh my god. Sam Rogers. Do you have any characters? Sam Rogers. Well, because even in that, wrote like, his who, lines who are the guests, who are the guests going to be in the sort of back and forth? They, the other two characters, Speechwriter and Daisy, create sort of the tension, but he really gets the laugh lines yeah. in right. the way those scenes and play. He said last week that there was something big coming up for his character. So but we'd start to see his love life develop. Yeah. Like, is he gay? Well, that's the point. We don't know. So it's So what do you think? Super cute. It's hard for me to tell. I didn't think he was gay until this episode. I didn't really... I mean, I thought that he was, like, gay appealing. Like, obviously, yeah. I was like, he's delicious. But, um... We all I thought that. I don't think we ever got, like, the... Unless it's because he's, like, playing the assistant, which is often the secondary character is, like, a gay, funny assistant. Yeah. So unless he's sort of fitting that trope. But I didn't get, like, oh, I think he's gay. I guess I didn't really care about his outside life. I wanted to see what that little team element was more about. But now this is sort of adding the flavor. So I de- but I definitely thought it And it is I, funny I, I when Jay's like, he was is it appropriate straight. to ask? Like, we can't ask that. Yeah, like, well, what's the name? And he's like, Chris. And I was waiting for it to be Alex, just because I feel like that's the most gender-neutral yeah. name. Because the spelling isn't even given. Like, But like, 
Right. Girls spell their name different, Chris, than guys. I mean, and I'm looking at the, the captioning, We're so getting, of course yeah, it's right. spelled it with the We're boy way. analytical about this. Right. But, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but uh, Daisy wasn't surprised at all when he said Chris. Like, I would have been like, oh, is that a, some sort of spell? Yeah, I would have been like, oh. To but her? It, <laughs> <laughs> or Tim. Tim. Krista. But, but it'll be interesting because... I also paid attention because Eric was telling us, you know, when he first read the sides and everything for this part, that or the breakdown, it was very, you know, Kennedy-esque, kind of this put together. And so I watched that and I was like, he is such a Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And I just... Well, it's the clean-cut white kid thing. Well, yeah. But I mean... <laughs> it's a little racy, but... <laughs> it's a sort of like racy. a socioeconomic style thing, but you know. So it's, it's just interesting because I kind of watch and everything he talked about that he kind of envisioned in this character, I see him executing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I think they want us to think he's gay. I think he's going to end up being straight. I think he's going to end up being straight. Or bi. That would be fun. Whatever. I mean, the I thing just is feel like, like the show, and I hope the show doesn't become about sex. You know what al- I mean? Although How to Get Away with Murder is very sexy. Mm-hmm. But that's what I mean. It's going to ruin it too fast. Well, I like that the show deals with heavier topics. Yeah. And doesn't sort of skirt the line of the being a scandal, being yeah. sort of very soap opera-esque. Right. Yeah. But it's not... I feel like they need it needs to get funnier and it needs to move a little bit quicker. Overall notes for like the enjoyment of the show. Right. The other thing that Eric said that I am now paying attention to, which I didn't see in this episode, other than what you were saying, is the whole political party. They've specifically left out whether this presidency is Democratic mm. or Republican. On purpose. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until you made the comment about kind of the liberal esque. Liberal, yeah. yeah. That I'm like, okay, that's maybe the first hint at that because she didn't want to jump straight to that. At the same time, does anybody of any political belief want to go to war? Right. Right. Especially exactly. nuclear the Democrats, war. Like unanimously <laughs> voted for the war in Iraq when it first came up. Like you don't have to be. Yeah. Well, we got hit on our own soil. Thing. Well, right. we, of course we want to make sure that that's only, remedied. There's only one House representative who said no. It's a very interesting report. Yeah. We'll talk about it another. Not day. falsified. <laughs> no, not falsified. <laughs> um, but I didn't even realize that. That is really interesting to see how they're not playing. Yeah, well, he was talking about that a little bit when we asked him about how he felt about the comparison to Hillary also, Clinton and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. And he was like, well, it's kind of a crazy... He got offended. Yeah. He's like, no, he like, no, it's so no. Annoying, like, because our show is so neutral and it's obvious that it's not. It's really interesting. It is very neutral. Mm-hmm. So pay attention to that. <sighs> well, you know, I want to keep paying attention God, to that. I never thought of that. To make sure we see so we can find these little clues because right. I think at some point... They will tell us well, because there will be a campaign, or there will, you know, there will right. be something that happens that's just so obviously one way or the other. Well, it's really understanding what the president's politics are because she doesn't interface with any of sort of the elected officials. You know, she's not right. she's yeah. not having to pass. For, she's things. doing the foreign affairs. Right, she's foreign affairs. She's not having to pass things through the House or Senate. So, right. you know, being blue or red, it doesn't or green doesn't really matter for her. But I don't right. know where the president stands. Very interesting. So we'll have to just pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. All right, so at this party, which is kind of where we started tangenting from, we see that the dance between, now I'm going to forget their names, Nadine 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 and Henry Henry, happens to distract so that Madam Secretary can go meet with Shivani, Mm -hmm. which was also so interesting because this passageway that she made with Canada must have been something that they really wanted and have needed. I'm still not quite clear on... 
why America is just like, like if it was something that we didn't care about and we were just going to throw a bone to them, like why have we been holding on to it for so long? I'm sure there's money in it or some sort, but yeah, yeah. well, it's but, good that we have because now we but, have it. So yeah, but you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those where it's like for this to have been such a big deal for them, they're willing to let this pipeline thing well, sit for a little bit. Canada, they're willing. What does I mean, that no, mean? Well, they're not. What are they going to do? Diplomatically power. I mean, they're a very important country. Yes, Canada rocks. But they're not as they're on. We're on generally very good terms with them. Well, yeah. I mean, so, considering they were like, "Oh, we're gonna we're going to take your fishing boats," and we're like, "Okay, Canada. well then we're going to send all of your NHL players back to your like your Canada country. doesn't pose a major <laughs> diplomatic threat to us. No, which is why it we was want the pipeline they to, but they don't. No, they make don't any sense to them. No, right. or for us, uh, yeah, right. that makes no sense. We got to figure out this whole so piece it's in the Middle to be like, East. Okay, you can have the bag. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she meets with Giovanni, and we find out that. She, the information was withheld by the chief negotiator. And I love that because it just goes to show she's so fair. She's so dedicated to doing what's right mm-hmm. and not worried as much about who's right. And that to me came when she just kind of said, okay, so he didn't give you that information. How do I know you're telling the truth? She still questioned, you know, she was still going to give her chief negotiator the benefit of the doubt that right. he's, he's lying and saying, well, they will. I had right. to walk out because the only thing I was told right. was there's going to be bombs. Uh, right, yep. exactly. If we don't have this turned off. And how it, reputable is she that he came and he said, I wanted to give the second chance, not just because you're the Secretary of State, but because I thought maybe there was more to it. And like, mm-hmm. he knew that she was I knew the that one maybe you it. would want something different. And you're, right. a, you're a bigger power. Which also I found so interesting because they clearly have a history that we're just starting to see unravel a little bit. Because he knew she was in the CIA, and he knew that the code name for him was boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I, so, I feel like if you're a CIA operative, code names like that kind of stay code. Well, she better than what we've sort of heard him. from her past is that she has a lot of her training is in the Middle East, right? So it's presumed that I don't know if they, have they ever met before. It doesn't look like he's ever. Things interfaced like with her, but she yeah. knows the area and the issues very intimately. No, but I mean, but he said something about, you know, no, he knew that she called him boyfriend. How did he know that? And she said, well, that was more of a code thing. You know, I had my eye on you. And it was more like, of a joke. What are you talking about? Right. I don't think so. Well, didn't she say that? She said it was like, she, she was like, it was more of like a, a No, but the name no, boyfriend. Not, a joke, but a code not, not that she didn't not that it was a code thing like she genuinely had her eye on him and was watching him and she said because i thought you would be someone to help lead us to peace right and he has the best line there he says i, I have a seven-year-old son and i don't want him to wake up to war as much as you don't want to inherit it yeah i love that as well mm-hmm. yep that was a great scene and and that's why he risked going and meeting here on canada soil right canadian soil to give it another try yeah Yep. And so she gives him the the letter. It's not signed. They're going to get it signed as soon as everything goes according to plan to get this reactor turned off. It gets turned off and we see that the what Chief am I trying to say? Let go. But yeah, no, yeah, and then there's that. Yeah, well, and back to the scene when she gives him the the thing that is unsigned. That just goes to Another example of her uh, kind of just taking the higher ground. As long as what's happening is right, then she doesn't care what happens because she's right. like, you, about whatever you, go, you go and tell your president, mm-hmm. like we don't like that you backed us into a corner. Like that's totally fine, just as long as this gets done. 
Yeah. And I really like that, that it was kind of like, use, use this whole situation to your advantage so that you look like you strong armed us into right. doing this right. kind of a thing. As Rather long as than. These things still stand. Right. I guess my issue with the episode, maybe the show, is that I don't feel like there's enough thrill and suspense. And I know, and it, maybe it's trying to be more realistic in mm-hmm. some way, but did you feel on the edge of your seat or a lot of tension throughout the episode? No, I'm but can- I don't necessarily was- watch the show looking for that. I guess I just watch TV for that. You know, like it's mm-hmm. the basic for- formats of like TV is that I needed to feel excited about the idea that she was getting, she was, that, that, that was going to happen in the back room. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know if it's maybe because she plays the part so even keel. And, and so like, calm. So and, calm yeah. that I'm never stressed. <laughs> but I feel like I should be. I don't know. Going to war with... That's one of my issues with, I think, the series so the far. The series as a whole? Yeah, is that the suspense isn't always there. And maybe it's just because she plays a very strong, Collected. calm and composed yeah. person. Or, or the. But also, wouldn't there be more of a frenzy or with the people around you? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. I've never worked at the White House. I have not either. <laughs> maybe next year. Shocking. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Gotta go. To the White House? After Buzz to White House. That's how. This is Could the you end. imagine? This is the transition program. <laughs> I'm here to educate. Um, and okay, the NSA so let's is talk about the shutting dad. us down. Yes. Yeah. That was the best moment of the whole episode. How could you not love this episode for that alone? So the son has a report that he has to do about a leader? No, no, no. That's, that's totally separate. Par- about a parent. Oh. Dad made the top, the arm TMI's candy list. arm candy yeah, TMI. So can we just say TMZ? Like, yeah. I know they said TMI, but I love that. Yeah. Number three, behind two supermodels. You know what I hated the other day? It was someone talking about Michelle Obama and how much they liked her. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, she has great arms. And I was like, not That's the why reason like to her? like the first lady. <laughs> no respect. But she does have great arms. She does have great arms. Uh-huh. And that is part of like her thing, is like being fit. But... but- Come on. That's not the only reason I don't you like should sexually like her. objectifying our leaders. I don't think though he is a admiring arms. Admiring, okay, that's fair. Admire, no, admiring Michelle Obama's arms. I don't think is sexually objectifying her. I guess that's true. But I, the dad, we we do we, mm-hmm. enjoy sexually objectifying. We don't hate the way he looks. No. no. Uh, what did you guys think about the whole bar scene? Well, so Wonderful. I love. Before we get there, I love how. The dad is just sort of like throwing away this whole report of the son because he's like, he wants to do you. And it's it's like, no, he doesn't want to interview Madam Secretary. He doesn't want to interview his mom because that's exactly what his teacher wants. Yeah. And, and he's an anarchist and he I, doesn't believe in following the system. Exactly. Right? I like love him. So I'm like, no, he. there's nothing about wanting to interview his mother that I think is a part of it. And I think it's, it kind of bothered me that the dad was like so hung up on, well, just go interview your mom. It's like. He asked you, let it go, and And just give the kid the info he needs to do the report. After this fight happens in the bar, Mm -hmm. which is a fantastic scene, you see the dad really rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. And really, so like. And that was a completely different side of his character. And the son, I think, had never seen his dad in that element. Because then he asked questions that he hadn't asked before. He was actually interested in his his past in the army, Mm -hmm. military, Marine Corps. You know, just I get specific. Because, I like that because you know. Yeah, well, dating somebody that's in the air force. Military is the appropriate umbrella term, right? The mil, yeah, yeah. All, okay. all branches are part of the U.S. military. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Great. yeah. Thanks. Okay. Well, that was an interesting scene <laughs> to see to see that, and then yeah, to get the son to ask all the questions, and 
And I, I actually like seeing them kind of do their own thing because we've kind of seen the parents with the daughters kind of one on one in these little conversations and, we haven't gotten as much from the son in that way. And so I I liked that it was him, I guess, of all of them. But I also thought it was... Well, a- he's very inquisitive about the world. He clearly mm-hmm. has some sort of political ambition, or at least or ideology. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely has an ideology. As a young man, he's, like, interested in investigating, so... Oh, yeah. It's fun to see. But I love... But, and it kind of... Uh, I hate even saying it this way. Like, it had to be the son because he got to see his dad be a man. And I don't think what happened in the bar would be as impressive... To, to a daughter. daughter, or not to his daughters, as it was to the son. A gendered idea. Yeah. Well, that's you only because I mean? our armed forces are predominantly male, and that's sort of a gendered idea of what that serving identity is. Definitely. And a masculine idea of, like, standing up and fighting. Yeah, I mean, standing up for yourself, exactly. I mean... Well, I also think that the older daughter doesn't really have a problem kind of opening her big mouth. True. <laughs> when things need to be and said. I, I mean, of the whole episode, that was the most tense moment, was when sort of the drunken mm-hmm. um, corporal is, you know, spouting off about his own politics. Which, what did you think Which about that? Because would, you would think that that first family would have a security team. I just thought Even something with else. the husband and the son. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. they have a security team? Clearly not. I don't know. I mean, they're... no. But th- I think, well, they do. They absolutely, I mean, all the families have security. All the elected officials in the capital have security but she's not teams. an elected official. I, she, I know, but she's the fourth most powerful person in the world. So if they stole her kids, political ransom from all another right. country. Fair enough. You know? Fair I enough. was sort of like, how is that, how is this happening? <laughs> Wouldn't someone yeah. descend? But, but that goes back into the whole liberal conservative because it was a military man, which are typically more on the conservative, conservative side, angry with him and his wife's politics. For taking more liberal stance and trying to find peace rather than go to war. Rather than retaliate. But the reasoning for him going to war was also interesting, and it was a perspective I'd never considered before, not having the same experiences and the same loss as Somebody in the military that's been to war, that's lost friends, that's lost lost unit members, and wants to go not only get justice for our country, but also for the lives that were lost, and to make it worth their their deaths. This is where I'll enter sort of our political debate about issues with war and military. (laughs) Sideline, this is, now it's debate time. Um, (laughs) It's obviously so important that our military serve, that, that we respect our military and that we care. But one of the biggest issues with going to war is that we spiral out of control. For example, like the VA and vets, the access to care right after war for so many isn't given, is mismanaged. The VA, it's very sort of, it's criticized very publicly in the media about how a lot of the cases for, you know, a lot of people coming back from war with post, post-traumatic stress syndrome end up on drugs end up with none of the healthcare benefits that they were were originally provided with. Um, there's mismanagement in the military. Obviously, when we're going into these war zones, for example, there's a report out about drone strikes. Drone strikes, the idea is, okay, we lose less men when we affect, when we, you know, drop a bomb. But when those bombs go off, we don't just kill the militants, we often kill civilians in those areas. And then those families related to those civilians Imagine if people bombed us here and they killed your family members walking down the street because militants were hiding in your neighborhood. 
wouldn't you feel radicalized to join the effort against a foreign right. power who's dropping bombs on your head? I mean, wouldn't you feel the exact same way that so many people do in this American hate sentiment, you know? And then to see boots, we're always fearful of boots on the ground, but it's almost impossible to execute the peace goals that we have without boots on the ground. And we don't have the money and capital to back it up. And then we have vested interest in, sorry, I have lots of thoughts. That's good. It's just one of the most in, intensely complex issues the American people face. And so quickly people sort of just, well, you don't support the troops. And it becomes sort of this polarized debate. When in reality we have to realize one of the issues with being a Western country declaring war in an Eastern country is that we, at our base, have very different cultural ideologies. Mm-hmm. How can we expect them to, you know, have democracy and peace for people when so much of their basic culture and law goes against what we think are basic human rights? I mean, look at women in the Middle East who are culturally oppressed so much more than we are, than women are here. How can we almost expect those cultures to rapidly get up to pace with where we are and force them there when they're so far behind in those goals? So I don't think we need to debate. Was, yeah. No, I mean it's just a very. But I definitely issue. think that there's a difference, which I also liked because, on the flip side, you know he was going against this uh, drunk mm-hmm. guy in uniform, was going against Madam Secretary and her beliefs, and you know getting razzing the dad Henry, but he served. Henry served, mm-hmm. so. That would make him maybe a little bit on the conservative side. You know what I mean? So it still kind of plays it both ways as far as the show and not knowing. But I also think going kind of back to the supporting of the troops, there's a difference between supporting the troops physically, like the actual people people that have committed their lives to helping protect our country. Because I, there, I guarantee there are men and women that serve in our military voluntarily that don't always agree with the decisions that are being made and the job that they have to do. And they can't be insubordinate in the process. And and that's something that I think can be lost on us because of the 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 things we take for granted Mm -hmm. because of what they're doing. We well that's that's the biggest thing is we so quickly take for granted how much they give and how much our country, how difficult it really is to go to war. We're so quick to say, we should, we're America. We mm-hmm. can get away with anything. We, American national spirit obviously has a huge ego to it. That's why, you know, vets from the World War II were so publicly loved because we had won the World War. Right. Like they came back on the highest wave of success even after all that destruction. Right. Now we're going to wars where people feel very ambivalent and confused and scared right. about what we're doing. And then the people serving are not being celebrated as much as they have in the past. Right. Well, because people don't because agree people with don't the fact to, that we're at people war. People don't know how there. to feel. Yeah. And, yeah and, and so they're not agreeing with this. And we haven't won. There's no kind of clear there, And there is honestly progress. no way to win in how big the issue is now. Right. I mean, Iran, it's not just Iran and Pakistan. It's not just the countries. It's groups in countries that are going right. over borders and re I mean recruiting constantly and it's all different sorts of threats and I think that that's interesting because you know listen and there's plenty of people who don't agree with what's happening who live there a lot it, it's not the majority of people who want this sort of hate 
to be coming from their countries and regions. Right. And that that's kind of part of why I love the show, because all of these things that we've talked about that you're, you know, all these points that you're raising are because we're watching a show that's gone and, and is discussing and this fictionalized whole ideas, but it's right. still, but, but now fantastic. we're not talking about fictionalized things. We're talking about our actual troops, our actual current state mm-hmm. of, of the country, of the world mm-hmm. and things that are going on in our lives that affect us. And that's something that we kind of discussed with Eric last week as well. I just, I love the fact that something that is fictional can give you insight and interest in learning more about something that's real. That's correct. Something Something that's going on in your in your life, something that affects you, because I, I'm sure there's lots of people that don't even know who the Secretary of State today is. But maybe watching a show John like Harry. this, yeah, <laughs> nailed it. I got. It. <laughs> but but watching a show like this, you know, they're going to go look it up right. and kind of say, oh, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what kind of foreign policy they're doing. You know, is working with Canada on a pipeline is that something that the Secretary of State would actually be working well, on I, and what, and looking into right. that? But what I really find the moment that I found the most interesting was when the chief negotiator fights with Madam Secretary and basically the warring ideologies of. She is for peace and for peace talks, and he believes that the end result will always be a military right. action. And right. that is one of the he- most heated things right now, especially as we're going into war, is how do we react? People get very quick to either be gun-shy or gun-heavy. And it is almost impossible when we're on a con- sort of constant brink of a Cold War with nuclear instability in this area, you know, that it's too rash in the American spirit to go to war but at the same time, how can we avoid it? Right. And I loved, I also Amazing loved stuff. going back to Henry and be, just having served and the son being more inquisitive, asking the questions, asking him about, well, weren't you in a war? Mm-hmm. You know, did, I don't understand what that really means. And, and I loved Henry's response when he's talking about, you know, cause, cause the son asks, did you know, did you kill anyone and how many? And, Again, it's one of those where it, it still boggles my mind when people think that men and women join the military because they enjoy or want to go drop oh, bombs. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's some twisted people sure in the world. People, right? You know, I don't know if they're in our U.S. military. I would say no, especially just because of how hard it is and kind of the structure and kind of how focused and dedicated you have to be in order to kind of stay a part of it you know they don't right. mess around especially imagine, when they're sending you how overseas they can objectively criticize what they're being told to do or you know how they really feel about the war yeah you yeah. know well, so and, many of them are going fi- to fall on either side of it yeah and henry said he made it very clear i had a job to do i had targets to hit and mm-hmm. that, that was kind of thing and he said he doesn't there's not a day that goes by that he doesn't think about exactly and that i mean i i fought tears in my eyes because dating somebody in the military and just kind of he's also a pilot he may or may not face some of those same decisions and may have to live with some of those same results i don't know he's not allowed to talk about what he does so it's one of those things where i just kind of felt for him in that moment and and knowing that this doesn't go away and that now his son kind of sees that and i think there's this level of, of reverence and kind of respect now that his son will have not only just from watching his dad handle that guy and kind of put him in his place and stand up for himself but also because of the heaviness and the weight that he of that responsibility to be in duty yes right. and and that he recognized the weight of making those decisions to be in the military making the decision to say okay yes i i have to hit these targets and mm-hmm. It may or may not, may or may not land on a, on the civilian. You know what I mean? 
Anyway, all right, let's move on to something a little bit more scandalous. Okay, let's move on to Nadine. Nadine. Hot Nadine. She's being looked into now. She's asleep with the old. I think, I think she should be looked into now, though, especially since she came out last week with uh, telling uh, Madam Secretary that she was sleeping with Marsh and they had this affair and all this stuff. But even it was suspicious that she was so for. She's like, why are you trying to read this report? Like, it's Nobody not that, reads it. It's not, Only the writers not read it. Deal. Like, it was at Marsh's agenda and like, it, it should just be passed, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, so she was very quick to like, to still and what was defend she, what was she covering Marsh. up? Yeah. yeah, it's like very how much of it was like true? she was covering yeah. up something. Well, and I think that's why because a lot of things haven't added up. You know the whole story about with the soccer balls, and he would go to these countries and he'd give out these soccer balls, and he didn't want the press to to ever talk about it because he was just that good of a guy. Mm-hmm. And then we hear chief of staff for the president talking about how oh no, I'm sure there are photos in the second that he decides to run for president. You know, there's going to be photos all, all over of him, like standing trail. with kids yep. and and soccer balls and all these wonderful things that he's been doing. Yep. As vice president and blah blah blah, and so I think the more that comes out about Marsh and the more that Madam Secretary can piece together that he had an agenda that it didn't line up with the president's, that the people that he had working for him or under him that he appointed very much align themselves with. With Marsh's agenda, yep. so much so that they're willing to go completely against what the current agenda is being set. Exactly right. what the to president and Madam Secretary yep. are saying. This is what we need to do. We need to go to these peace talks and say this. And so I love the scene between the two of them when he got fired. Mm-hmm. She held her ground. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just think that it's becoming very clear that she's having to sort of weed out all of these people. And Nadine may be next. That's what she's trying to figure out. And I love that she went to Blake for it. Because yeah. it shows, kind of like we talked about with him last week, he is her guy. Mm-hmm. Right. She knows she can trust him. And she is. She has to with this because she doesn't have the time to do it herself. She goes, what can I trust you with? And he goes, well, your job and your life. Yeah. I don't know if Nadine is all bad. I mean, I guess she could be. I don't be. think she's but all she bad. she has been pretty... I don't Resil- know. Uh, resistant? Hesitant? Or- I think she's oh, just really like support- pro-Marsh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that she's pro-Marsh's agenda, but she's pro-Marsh. And that, I think, is more what she's concerned with, because it's kind of like, okay, all of the people that worked with him did believe in his agenda are going against what they're being told by their higher authorities. Yep. And so... Isn't that where, such an where amazing are you idea about fall? Uh, the way our politics works anyways? Like, look at how, how do people in DC, like I, you know, when I went to school, it was all politics kids that were in my major. So all of them were going into a world where it was like, you had a job for two years. If you were lucky, four years, and then you had to trade. And, but your job is to be loyal to your, to your person. To your but at the same time, you have no sort of longevity. Like people in the White right. House, that turnover, you know, their job is to be as loyal as possible to the people who are currently leading. And then how does that compromise their ability to be loyal to the next person who takes a position? Right. And there's almost no yeah, security really or stability, so how can there ever be, you know, Especially trust? because the people that I would imagine go to work, I almost said in Wall Street, but they go to work in D.C., they are going because they're passionate about a specific set of right. political beliefs that got them there, that motivated them. Or that they want to exactly. always believes the, the well, ambitions true. are bought, you know? Yeah. I'll believe true. what you tell me to. But and I guess that's true, maybe because that and that's where Power, right. that that loyalty kind of they can do it for two years because that's who's paying their bills for those two years, and right. then oh the next person okay well 
Now it's that's the game. It's my the political game. So it's very interesting to see how she is so objective in the thing and still mm-hmm. having to like sort of weed out the old guard. Well, well, I'm excited to see next week. Let's quickly move into predictions. Did they tease anything? Mm-hmm. Now you're at TV. Prediction. Yeah. So we see her give her. Well, we see a clip of her giving her first big speech. She goes off book. She doesn't stick to whatever the written speech was, and clearly says so something. So not allowed. So not apologies. Right? Politicians do not do that. She did. They actually don't. But. She did, and then she says something. She goes, "Let's do something while we still have, have jobs. jobs." Yeah, because everyone. So whatever happened, clearly was not okay. Whatever she said, but I, I just I cannot imagine what that could possibly be. I think it's. I don't know if she means that we still have jobs. Like something happened, we're going to lose our jobs. I think it's more the idea that again, like that two year, four year turnover thing that. It is so hard to affect change in the sort of limited time that you're there. You know, like that lame duck period for Mm -hmm. a president. Like, you almost have no time. The first hundred days, they say, are the most powerful days that a president has. Because you have the American support. Hopefully you have a new, you have new leadership underneath you. Mm -hmm. You can, like, address your agenda very quickly. Then the rest is swimming upstream. Do we know what her speech is about? I I didn't, I didn't catch anything. Very interesting to see that she would go off book because especially with foreign foreign diplomacy mm-hmm. the rhetoric used in those speeches is so intense because and, specific. and so specific or or non-specific or entirely ambivalent about well, no, an I, guess, I guess intentional like, i don't mean intentional to, like, it's intentional Absolutely. every word is chosen every phrase or mm-hmm. epithet used to sort of guide or misguide to make people. everybody happy though you don't yeah, want to, to use a phrasing that's going to offend any particular group of people or culture or country. Nah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, how do you... Basically, a lot of speeches dodge the truth that they don't want to talk about and then present the truth that they do want to talk about in a way that's very catered. So I think there's something that she was specifically told not to talk about and then she ends up going off book and talking about it. Yeah. And it's a big enough deal that I think actually when she says, well, let's do something while we still have our jobs, she's like, we could be out of this office any minute and so... We need to, we need to get now, now like right. today, in this moment, because see, tomorrow, we hope, may not have tomorrow. What I hope we get to see, because we don't see a lot of it, especially because she's not a sort of super politico, even though she's so powerful, <laughs> um, is I hope that we can sort of see that speech team. I don't know how they're going to be involved in the writing of the speech, but I hope we get to see how those speech teams really do this sort of work. Because mm-hmm. it is all polling. They poll what words and adjectives and verbs oh they gosh. should use. Yeah. I mean, everything is very intentional. So it'll be interesting to see how that works and if they're deeply offended that she just goes off book. Yeah, happy with it. It'll be really interesting. Well, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of our thank Madam you. Secretary After Show. Oh, Where can we find you guys? Right here. Um, at Pat <laughs> underscore Lambert. And you can find me at Sterling Cates. And you can find me, Courtney Henderson, at C-O-U-H-E-N. Thanks so much for joining so us. great to be back. Love you. Woohoo. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 